Yo, yo, what's good? It's your boy Navy Jones Locker from Brooklyn, New York, man. You tuned in to Step Off Magazine, you heard? Rah! Internets. Before we introduce our guest, we have a special announcement to make. On Saturday, February 25th, Step Up Magazine in collaboration with the San Diego Justice Center will be hosting the People's Block Party, our first ever live show to celebrate our album, The Collection. The show will feature performances by some of your favorite acts featured on the album. Artists include Cosmic Force, Indigenous Cats, Azo, Mali, Chicano de Oro, The Invisible Ponchos, Neighborhood Kids, Fancy P with more to be announced. The show will be held at the San Diego Justice Center. Doors open at 6.30. We'll have food, drinks, vendors, and we will be raffling off a series of prizes throughout the night. If you're in San Diego or the Southern California area, this is one show you will not want to miss. So, Internets, on Saturday, February 25th, we hope you all will join us for the People's Block Party. See y'all there. For the past several years, Navy Jones Locker has been one of the most unique and upcoming MCs in Southern California's underground hip-hop scene. Originally hailing from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the New York rhyme spitter has made it his mission to give music lovers a taste of New York hip-hop with the new sounds and delivery of today's audiences. Having toured and performed in places such as Copenhagen, Denmark, Malamo, Sweden, Tokyo, Japan, and of course, New York and Los Angeles, Navy Jones' experiences both inside and outside of hip-hop have taken him across the globe and provide a unique worldview few hip-hop artists, let alone people, can fully appreciate. Pulling influences from legendary hip-hop artists such as Rock Marciano and Griselda, Navy Jones incorporates an appreciation for dark beats and clever rhymes into his music to create a unique tapestry of sounds that sets his catalog apart from the standard run-of-the-mill West Coast artists in Southern California's local hip-hop scene. Having worked with artists such as D-Rail and Chop the Father, and having released a slew of mixtapes produced by Riverside-based producer Acosta the Man, Navy Jones has quickly made a name for himself with his use of dark production and sharp lyrical wit. In today's episode, Navy Jones joins Step Off Radio to discuss the inspirations behind his music, growing up as an aspiring MC in Brooklyn, New York, his time in the service, and the backstory behind some of his favorite songs. Likewise, we also got to discuss upcoming projects and what the future holds for his music. So with that said, batten down the hatches, strap on in. We are proud to present to y'all our conversation with the one and only Navy Jones Locker.
Alright, internets, welcome to another episode of Step Off Radio, the official podcast of Step Off Magazine. Today, we are joined none other by the one and only Navy Jones Locker. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, man, thank you again for taking the time to come through. Absolutely, man. You know, I was the SD, so I had to pop up, you know what I'm saying? Yo, man, so for our listeners out there that maybe aren't familiar with your work, you know, just take, you know, in your own words, introduce yourself, you know, let them know who you are and exactly what is it that you do. Uh, I'm a rapper from Brooklyn, New York. I'm currently out in L.A., uh, you know, just doing my thing. It's music, it's, it's hip-hop, you know. Angels, Lloyds, Demons out now. Make sure you go cop that. Navy Jones Locker, the album out now. Make sure you go cop that. That's pretty much it, man. That's where it's at, you know, Black Popeye all day. No doubt, no doubt. All right, man. So let's start off from the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about your early years. You were born in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I got to ask you, man, did you grow up in a musical or artistic household? Um, Kind of, sort of, um, you know, shout out to, you know, my uncle, Paulie, you know what I'm saying, Paul Vincent. You know, he's uh, big in the rock scene out there, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, and Williamsburg and Greenpoint and, you know, and Queens and shit. So, um, he's, you know, he's been doing music, I guess, before I was born. So, you know, um, on the rock side and, uh, I used to always, I was always fascinated with, you know, with everything he used to do, man. And, you know, he used to teach me how to play the keyboard and the guitar and stuff like that. And always try to like, um, I say, um, have another musician in the family because mm-hmm. he was the only one on my mom's side, you know, on my Spanish side. So uh, on my father's side, my uncle Smitty, man, you know, Buckshot, he was always rapping and shit. And he, used to, he was the one that used to babysit me. So because we're like 10 years apart. So he's like my youngest uncle. And um, so unfortunately for him, uh, you know, somebody had to pick me up from school. My parents was working and shit. So, you know, we lived in the same area. So he picked me up. And then, uh, you know, instead of uh, taking me straight home, be like, you know, being a park freestyling with the homies and shit, you know, stuff like that. So it's like I had two different um, backgrounds of music, you know what I'm saying? All, all, at all times, you know, on the weekends, I'd be with my uncle. And then during the week, my day to day, I'd be with my, my other uncle. So it's like, yeah, man, it was it was cool. So like paint a picture, man, you know, you see like these these two contrasting influences. What kind of music was it that you were that was getting played, you know, in the household or when you were out with your uncles and stuff like that? I mean, my uncle was playing everything, man, you know, all the all the rap shit, everything that was hot. And this is the nineties, this is the early nineties, so everything, you know, from you know, from Hove to to Nas, pretty much everything, you know, even like Dr. Dre, Easy E, like that's the type of stuff he listened to. So like I had that, you know, those Pac, like I had that upbringing, I would listen, you know what I'm saying, all the time, you know, and then I'd be doing my homework and they'd be playing and kicking it in his room. <laughs> and I'd be in the living room trying to do my homework, but I'd be listening, you know, yeah. and, and so and I'm always bopping my head like, oh, here we go, you know what I mean, like, yeah. it was, it was, it was one of those things, like, you know, and then I go to school, right, and then I would show off. To my, you know, to like the kids and shit, cause you know, like, I'd be like, yo, you heard that new whatever the fuck it was, right. and they'd be like, where you heard that? Like, my mom won't let me listen to it. Yeah, yeah my uncle played that shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the uncle, the cool uncle. Yeah, yeah. you know, shit like that. 
needless to say, you know, you're you're coming up in this golden era, you know, like the, you know, like New York is just going through like yeah. this renaissance of just, you know, classic hip hop, like you said, whether it's Biggie or Nas or Ho, mm-hmm. you know, Wu Tang, you know, this, yeah. this all that shit. Always li- you was listening to all that shit. But you know, the the side we from, you know, was it's the Jay Z side. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's you know, if it ain't Hove, then you know what I'm saying. No, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, and we we've kind of touched on some of the influences already. You were mentioning your family, who's introduced you to a lot of the like really foundational kind of like yeah, members my, my of the. My grandfather too. Uh, you know, my grandfather um used to play harmonica, man. He oh, there we go. And he used to get busy in the crib, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it used to be crazy. You know, that's a fun instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, at family function, you pull out the harmonica. You know, yeah. so one of them old Spanish dudes with the yeah. harmonica, like it's like that the banjo <laughs> or one of the accordion you know, where someone buzzed that out. It's just like okay, the tone is changing. <laughs> a little bit of this party. Yeah, after a couple of little drinks and be in the backyard, you start getting busy. Yeah, like, yeah, there okay, we go. It's, it's going down. Yeah, so I mean, were those like, you know, kind of musical influences that, you know, growing up kind of inspired you when you got into, into hip-hop? Like, what what kind of influences are, I guess, really kind of, you know, spoke to you from your formative years and like what introduced you to hip-hop? Like, so for me, I, I always loved music, just music in general. My mom's always played music, you know, with hip-hop, R, mostly R&B and stuff like that over hip-hop and stuff like that, too. Um, but it was uh, what really made me, like, when I first started writing rhymes, it was, uh, um, I was on my way. My pops was locked up, like, most of my life, so my uncle took me to see my pops. Um, this when he was up in Fishkill. And uh, we wanted to drive down, and this is when the blueprint came out. shit in the drive, in the drive um, back to the hood, man, I was just like, this is incredible, like, to me, the wordplay, everything, I was just like, what the fuck, you know, like, I never, I never heard anything like that before, you know what I'm saying, and this is prime Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying, like, so it was just like, oh, shit, and then, like, you know, and he gave me the CD, and he was like, you know, don't tell your mother, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I just, I was listening to it and I had like this little radio and I would like sneak at night and put on my headphones and pop there we go. and listen to it, you know? And then like, I would, I could hear, like, I have like one headphone and I could hear like, me and my mom, we shit a wall. I could like hear when she got up. But yeah, man, it was what, when I first started writing rhymes, it was after listening to the blueprint. Mm. And that was literally, you know, I'm not gonna lie about that shit. Like that was, that was the changing point for me. I didn't consider myself a rapper or nothing like that, but it was like in secret, you know, something like I used to write rhymes, my little book, and then my mom's eventually found my book, you know. It was some things. You know, it was some things in there, you know, that she didn't like because you know Eminem was popular too. Sure. <laughs> no mom, no mom wants to go into like somebody's like secret, secret it thoughts my, and shit. It was my little journal, man. Yeah, I had to yeah. keep my bed, man. And she yeah. just, like, came in. And well, moms have to learn a hard lesson too sometimes, which is like you go looking yeah, for. Like, and I was just like, "Why are you going through my stuff? Oh, yeah. You don't pay nothing." <laughs> that's how you know that like you cover like you have a mom that's just like I, you know, I re- I gave birth to you. I could do whatever I want, you know. Oh yeah, my mom's is wow. You know, what I'm saying? strip for the mother, like for real.
like the music she played or her kind of influences like inspire uh, your kind of musical tastes and, and how you approach hip hop? Um, I mean, like I said, my mother played a lot of like melodic stuff and R and B mostly. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of Mary J. Blige. Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was our I was our stuff, man. The four one one. That was the project we used to have that joint on repeat. You know, we in the crib. So and I, still to this day, you know, when I pick my mother up from the airport, I'm like, you already know what's playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so that's that. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, dive in a little bit into your personal history. Now, you grew up in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Pre-gentrification. Uh, <laughs> that's an important, that's important that's, point that's to bring it, up. Because, that's an yeah. important point. Paint a picture of that time period in the late 90s and the early 2000s. You're growing up in this Giuliani Bloomberg era of New York. Yeah. What was it like growing up in the neighborhood? And what ways has Brooklyn and NYC as a whole really, you know, molded and shaped your sound and the content of your music? Um. So... The sound that I got now was kind of like how I, I first started rapping, right? Like that, you know, like that was that was my initial sound. And as I got older, you know, I changed to try to be a swaggy rapper. But it wasn't really me, you know? So shout out to Rel, my brother Rel, man. He brought me back to reality. Like, bro, that's not for you, bro. You stick to what you do. But, um, yeah, so like that, I like I'm from, I'm from Barinkin Projects, so... That's where my mom's is from. It's like, you know, Spanish, mostly Spanish people. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, people look at me. I'm Puerto Rican, Venezuelan, Jamaican, but it's whatever. I, my last name is Jones, right? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And then my pops is from Williamsburg Projects. So that's, you know, he's from Block 4. So I grew up mostly there on Block 4, especially in the summer times. You know, I went to all of Williamsburg uh, summer camps and all that. And then, um, you know, it's just like, you know, where I live at is the Avenue of Puerto Rico, you know, and... You know, Graham Ave and people think that there's no Puerto Ricans over there anymore. You know, they just they just had a they try to take the sign down like um I think like a couple last week or some shit like that it was a big thing. You know, stuff like that. Like, you know, when you go all the way to like Grand Street, it's kinda like the cutoff, you know what I'm saying? And that's when you start getting, you know, the the Italians and, you know, and everybody else. Um but for me it was it was a weird it was a weird time because I grew up in a Spanish neighborhood, not knowing how to speak Spanish, trying mm. to tell people I'm Spanish, but I look black. So I had, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, how, I had how? no choice to like hang out with black dudes, but it's like I wasn't black enough for the black dudes. I wasn't Spanish enough for the Spanish people. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, I think we have some feelings about that. Yeah, right, saying, right. Tell us a little bit about that, man, because we kind of find like in the diaspora of, you know, Spanish-speaking people, whether it's Afro-Latinos or Chicanos, yeah. there's this, there's a disconnect of people that cannot speak Spanish, you know, and you... Yeah, there, so, like, my, a... my sister speaks Spanish, right? I have an older sister, mm -hmm. she speaks Spanish. We look exactly alike. You know what I'm saying? So, they'd be like, oh, that's your sister? Why you don't speak Spanish? That's my mother. <laughs> I don't know. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But, you know, my mom, my mom, she don't speak Spanish like that either, you know? Yeah. It speaks to a lot to the uh, like the identity stuff in the United States. It's like it's not even really what you are, or who you are, right? Because yeah. even the idea of like what are we? It's like how we approach like when we talk about dogs and shit. We don't talk about humans like about what we are, right? There's more to us yeah. than just like so, where like, we come now from. I'm learning Spanish and stuff like that too, you know. Yeah. Die because I want my daughter to know Spanish. Oh, it's, I mean, we're here in San Diego, in yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's important. Pick it up, you know? yeah. But yeah, no, it speaks to like what the experience you were talking about is like something I think that like a lot of us can kind of kind of vibe with because it's like. 
oh yeah, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not like enough of whatever for whatever group. But then, what does that make me? Where, who am I, right? And so, like finding yourself through music, it sounds like, and that's a crazy thing too, because when I went to school, right, you know, all the Spanish kids, we we all from the same hood, so like I know mm-hmm. all the Spanish kids, right? So like I know, I know them. So these are like the kids I be chilling with every day, mm-hmm. and then you know the black, like, why you be chilling with them Spanish motherfuckers? And I'd be like. I'm fucking Spanish, bro. Yeah. Like, the fuck, like, we live in the same building. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, like my best friend, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Punch man, three times, you gotta say it right. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, Puerto Rican, like, you know, my my mentor, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, like, you know, and uh that's that's the way we grew up, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, Saturday morning, somebody's blasting off and through that, like it's 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 crazy, you know, yeah. like to think that like Especially like when I when I ended up joining the military and all that, you know what I'm saying? And it was just it was like this there's no way you could be Spanish. You know what I'm saying? I'd be mm-hmm. like, That's crazy, you can't take that away from me. Yeah. You know the people's saying? vision of what they what they perceive, what they think is like not necessarily yeah, reality. You gotta, you gotta be from where we from because everybody from where I'm from is nine out of ten times half black, half Puerto Rican or some type of Spanish because that's just the community we live in. Right. You put two races together in a freaking twenty block radius, they bound to mingle. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? We all live in the projects together. Yeah. You know, it's like... And what you were talking right? about speaks a lot to, like, when we people think about segregation, right? They think about the South, right? They think about, like... Yeah, that you shit know, ain't like that. Yeah, no, it's, oh, like, up no. in the North, too. We're talking about, like, this in, like, NYC, right? In, in Brooklyn, right? And we're talking about, like, you're talking about how segmented right it's like this street right separates like this block and from this community and that's just like that that you know probably has a big impact like you were saying on making music right because it's like you're coming from a a community where it's like yeah like there's like different you know kind of sub communities and a lot of and a lot of like stuff that's that goes along with that so it's very interesting stuff no definitely man you know and i know all about it i know all about you know being looked at a certain way you know i'm saying i know about the racism aspect of it you know the, just coming from within my own family, within you know what I'm saying, it's 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 a lot, you know, it's 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 a lot, you know, it's emotional. I don't want to get in too much into that. But, <laughs> yeah, we can but talk about that. Yeah. yeah, we can no. talk about that offline. But, uh, yeah, that's yeah. But that's where I'm from, you know, and like now they call us East Williamsburg. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, what? Like we got the same fucking zip code, bro, as everybody else. <laughs> it's important that you bring up. This is pre-gentrification because I think that something that's lost on a lot of people, especially people that aren't from New York itself, is yeah. that New York in the 90s and early 2000s is very different than New York of today. It's very different. Paint a, paint a picture. Tell us a little bit about your neighborhood. I mean, up. you know, it's, you know, you go outside, you go on the Ave, you know, people playing dominoes and, you know what I'm saying, you know, you know, you got the, the Icy Man, you know what I'm saying? And, and like now... None of that stuff is there. We used to have the, the PR parade, you know, on Avenue in Puerto Rico every single year. You know, I grew up and I ain't have to go to Manhattan to the parade because we had it on the block, on the Ave. Right. It's Avenue in Puerto Rico. Like, we had it every single year. There was no need for me to go to the city. And, you know what I'm saying? And then when I eventually went out there, then I was like, oh, so y'all from the Bronx, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you you, you see the difference in the, in the cultures. Um, but from the boroughs, you know, within the boroughs, like you right. see it, you know, and it was, it was lively, man. You know, you could go outside, you could have a good time. Uh, you know, when it got dark, you had to make sure that you was inside. There was no need for you to be outside after dark, you know, if you wasn't old enough, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and that's just, that's really the way it is now. It's like when I went back home, I noticed the change in like 07, when everything started changing. That's when I noticed the change. And I was just like, 
you know, a little coffee shop started popping up, you know, the, the local restaurants, there's no, no more there, you know, the corner stores, you know what I'm saying, it's not Bodega, it says Mini Mart now, what the fuck, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, yo, what the fuck? It's crazy how, like, the phenomenon of gentrification is something that is, it looks different from place to place, but it's very universal. You go to almost any major city, and you're going to hear similar stories. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely, man. You know, and it was, it was... It was just so cool, man, you know, when, like, when if, if it's too hot, you know, they crack the Johnny Pump, kids playing in the street, we always have a good time, your parents will let you play. Now, you know what I'm saying, you see somebody cracking a Johnny Pump, sirens is on, mm-hmm. you feel me? It's somebody calling the cops, because this building where this family used to live at all the time, now it's, you know, other people in the building, you know, yeah. other, others, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, people, by others, I mean people not from New York, Yeah. you know, the people, they come, they migrate, they come over here, you know, and it's... It's crazy, and it's like back in the day, too, before they had all the parks and all that in Winsburg, like, you know, if you go too far in Winsburg, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's it's the abyss, you know what I'm saying? It was just, you know, don't don't go over there. That's mafia land, you know what I'm saying? You don't go over there, you know, unless you're trying to dump a body or, you know, get rid of a gun or some shit like that, you know? That's the only reason for you to go over to the pit. Mm-hmm. Stay the fuck away from there unless you're selling drugs or trying to buy drugs. Stay the fuck away from over there, you know? Nah. That was, that was, of course, you know, as a kid, I rode my bike down there, you know, but. <laughs> Did you just kid stuff, you know? You know, but I had to see it from my own eyes. But yeah, man, it was, it was, it's totally different now, man. It's, you know, and like the whole north side now with all the bars they got over there, you know what I'm saying, and everything. And it's like, we love it, but it's like, we go over there and they, they try to tell us like, you know, fuck y'all doing over here. It's like, you know, I can walk home, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like the L train, the L train, it's like fucking you know you ride the L train from the city and it's like you get to Bedford Ave and then the train gets empty and now it's just us you know what I'm saying and then you know yeah, but you get what I'm saying yeah. then like yeah. now it's like you know Bedford Ave all the way to like Morgan Ave and then they and then you're like okay okay now it's just us you know especially if you're taking the L train to like the last stop to like Canarsie or some shit or you take it into the junction but um, I know y'all don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just trying to paint a picture for anybody yeah, no, from no. New York that's listening. You get what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, exactly. And uh, and that that's how it is, man. Now, motherfuckers ride the train to the last stop. Yeah, well, it's all about, like you said, <laughs> the commercialization. Like, why is gentrification such a thing, right? It's like people like the culture, but they don't like us, right? Like, they want to be a part of, they like the the vibe, and they want it to be, like, accommodating to their needs, right? But when it becomes, like you know, inconvenient when they're seeing people doing things that they're, like, not equipped to understand. It's just like, oh, yeah, they, they call the cops or they do, like, yeah, man. they start and doing all this other junk shit. That's what me and um and my brother Rel, D-Rel, was talking about on the Chicken Spot series. We touched on a lot of those topics, so mm-hmm. on, on all the Chicken Spot series, man, we, we dive into a lot of that shit, you know what I'm saying? I rephrase certain things to make it seem cool on a beat, but I'm talking about some touchy shit, <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Well, here, let's dive a little bit into your early days. Now, I know that you talked about earlier in the interview about how listening to The Blueprint was yeah. pivotal in your um, journey into like writing rhymes. You've been emceeing and making music for a number of years, and I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to go from this? So you're writing rhymes, you mm-hmm. know, just, you know, like in secret from your mom. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired you to go from this position as an observer and a fan of the music, writing rhymes in your room to this participatory role and actually getting the making music and pursuing as more than just a hobby. Um, so that's that'll take you. That's 07. All right, there we go. <laughs> 07. So 2007. 
Um, that's when I first joined the Navy. And um, uh, they used to always be rapping in the birds and the shit and freestyling. I used to be like, you know, I used to be listening. You know, if I go, yo, you rap, son? I'd be like, oh, a little, little something, something. You feel mm-hmm. me? I spit a little something I had written that I had memorized or some shit like that. But, you know, uh, and I was like, yo, you got a nice flow, bro. I'm like, word, word. Cool. Then I just started coming around more, you know what I'm saying? In the birds, and they be freestyling, man. Um, shout out to Pinkston, man. That motherfucker, man. I wonder where the fuck he at, but that was homie name. <laughs> He's calling Pinky, man. Brolic motherfucker, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, he was like the champ on the shit, knowing, you know, that's back, back when I was on the uh, on the Juno. And um, he used to be rapping in the birds, man, and fucking. I used to just participate in the ciphers, and then like my nigga Ricky was the one I was like, yo, bro. We should do this rap shit for real. I'm just like, <sighs> but Ricky, like his pen game was crazy. Mm. He just like, you know, he half Haitian and Dominican, so when he talk English, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like he'd be like, yeah, bro, but like, bro, you could, I write some shit, bro, spit it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, word, and then like learning from him how to really like put things together. You know, when he'd be like, yo, um, we gonna link up, you know whatever time, you know what I'm saying, and just, like, you know, have something ready. We're going to go over some rhymes. And he really used to, like, put me in the lab, like, check my rhymes. Mm. Nah, put this here, put this here, put this here. That shit whack, boy. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? No, throw that shit away. You know, that, and that's how, I used to, that's how I used to treat me. But it was the exercise that I needed, and I never knew, like, it's a format to this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because... I'm somebody that I really used to just, I used to write my thoughts more on like a poetry type of format, you know what right. I'm saying? And, but just kind of rhyming them sometimes, you know? And um, and he was the one I really like, yo, you got to put this shit to a beat and like really rapping over a beat. Because I never really rapped over a beat. Like I could, somebody that could just like write a rhyme and just be, it sound like a cool ass run on sentence, but there was mm. no subject matter, right? You right. put all these punchlines together and now it's a rhyme, but what are you really talking about? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, shit. And he said, give me subjects right about this. Give me 16. You know what I'm saying? I was like, okay, okay. So you start going into, like you said, like, yeah. rhymes to like actually formulating songs, like, yeah, you know, like concepts. I, I, I came yeah. out, I used to be, <laughs> I used to be called Mr. AJ. That shit is funny as hell. <laughs> I used to be called Mr. AJ, man. And then um, I changed my name to AJ Jones in 2012. Like, when I, when I, uh, when I really was like trying to rom rom. Um, actually, no, it was 2010. That's when I made the change. I was still Mr. AJ, but I was making the change to AJ Jones. And um, I did my very first performance, my very rap first performance ever. And um, it was like this little open mic showcase thing. And um, I was like, damn, you know, I ain't never like rapped on stage before. So, you know, like I'm rapping over the recording and all that shit because I didn't know. You know, uh, I never, I never, I never really participated. Like I've been to, you know, homie shows and shit like that, but mm-hmm. I never like did it myself. Right. And so I go, um, and I have nobody to go with, you know. And my mom's was like, "Fuck it, let's do it." <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Give me the camera. Yeah. I'll record. There we it. go. And I was like what? <laughs> yeah. And like out of nowhere, you know, like my mom's just supported me. She's like, "This is what you want to do. You want to dope. I think you got something here, you know." And I'm a Let's go. There go. So my mom's with me. We went. I did my thing. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, man, I ran into uh, an old friend, Eddie Kane, man. You know, that's my guy, man, from back in the day. And um, yeah, man, that's when I like knew because, you know, I used to look up to Kane. Um, you know, he was on the street shit and shit while we was growing up. 
And then, like, just seeing him there, too, I was like, okay, I'm in the right place, you know? And I ain't seen, I ain't seen him in years, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. And I knew he was always rapping. So it was one of those things where I was just like, okay, I'm in the right place. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you know that, was a, that was a big thing for me to, to sure. see that, to, you know, to see somebody that I looked up to in the game, you know what I'm saying, also performing, too, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. trying to get it out the mud. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something right, I guess. Right, there we go. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on, like, kind of the – the origin story, right? You started Mr. AJ and then you kind of changed to AJ Jones. And then can you kind of go into the origin behind your name, you know, Navy Jones Locker, right? Like what uh-huh. significance does it hold? And why do you decide on that as your stage name versus the other names that you were so, using? So, like, yeah, for years I was AJ Jones. And then um, AJ Jones took me out to Europe and got me, you know, started getting plays out there, performing out there. But I was still, I was like, I was doing this rap shit, but I was still doing a swaggy rap shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if I'm a rap rap, I don't want it to be a drastic transition. So, it was so many AJ Joneses on the internet. Mm. And I was like, you know, I'm somebody that was in the Navy. I got out the Navy, you know, then I did the reserves. Then I went back active duty. Then I'm about to get out again. You know what I'm saying? But it's like... How I'm going to tell the story, like, coming from the streets, joining the military, having to go back to the streets, to coming back to the military. It's like getting, like, a fourth chance, you know, and it's the whole concept of Davy Jones locking how his heart is in the sea, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's like, that's where I'm most, uh, that's where my calm is at. That's where my zen is at, you know? It's like when I'm isolated and I'm in the middle of the ocean, I feel complete. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. with, with nothing going on in my life, I feel complete. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just like, that's what, when, I, when I'm in a studio, I, I give myself that vibe. Like, I do best when I'm in the studio by myself. Believe it or not. You could lock me in the studio for like 12 hours, I'll come out with a masterpiece. Solitary. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's just how I operate. You know, when I got people around, it's cool. Stuff gets done. But I come up with some of the craziest shit when I'm alone with my thoughts. Cause you know, and I could walk pace back and forth, and I could talk to myself, and I'd be like, "Nah, that shit's fine. What are you doing? Nah, bro, you corny, bro. Get back in the booth. That, that's, <laughs> there we that, go. That's yeah. my process. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on, you know, when you're out, like uh, either on deployment or, or out at sea. You know, that's like definitely something that you you, you kind of mentioned already that like you look uh, you look forward to, and you get a lot of creativity done there. But like. Specifically, what was the catalyst that drove you to the Navy, like to join the Navy, to enlist? You enlisted, oh, you said, in 2007. Shit, man. Street shit, man. My, you know, my pops was like, hey, you know, fucking, you know, my pops was in jail for, you know, 15 years of my life, you know, and it's just like, I didn't do all this shit for you to fucking follow in my footsteps type shit, you know, and it's just like, you know, when certain shit is embedded in your DNA, you know, believe it or not, like, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, how I said, like, I, I always felt like, there was I always had something to prove and nobody taught me that. Nobody taught me uh how to be like a macho man and nothing like that. It was just me. I was this little skinny kid and I thought I was tougher than everybody. I don't know why, I don't know <laughs> where my complex was, but that was just me, you know, and then like I didn't I didn't know how deep the rabbit hole went until I got involved in some some crazy street shit and my pops had to pull me out. My pops had like left the game, you know what I'm saying? To where he had to go hop inside and now he's in the belly of the beast with me you know what i'm saying and it's like damn you know what i'm saying my pops is trying to avoid all this shit after doing all this time and i'm over here like dragging him back into this shit that he don't need to be involved in so that was something that was uh 
that was like a turning point for me. And I was just like, all right, okay, cool. So I joined the military, you know, and he understood. And he was like, that's a smart fucking move, you know. And then my mm-hmm. cousin was in the Navy too. So, um, you know, it was just like, all right, well, at least I know somebody in the Navy. Not knowing how this shit worked. Right. <laughs> I fucking got sent to Japan and his ass was in Virginia. So I didn't even see the motherfucker, but. <laughs> right. I mean, you kind of mentioned, I mean, it's taking you around the world. You know, not only around the world, but around the country, too, obviously. So, like, how has your time in the service, right, in the Navy specifically, shaped your world view and, your, you know, in turn, your music as well? Um, so, it, it allowed me to, like, I, how you say, uh, be able to be diverse with working with people from different cultural backgrounds and having more understanding of, of the world, you know. Um, you know, I've been to more countries and states, so... Here we go. You know, so like for me, I've just learned how to work well with people from different backgrounds, different work ethics, um, good leadership skills. But at the end of the day, I'm sure the street dude, you know, it's something that I can't let go of. And that that's what created me. And those tactics that I learned before joining the military only just enhanced my abilities. If you get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's like I joined the military and I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, this is. <laughs> This is not what I thought it was. Like, I thought, you know, I, I joined the Navy and I thought I was like, damn, I'm going to get beat down and, and tore up. And I was like, well, this is fucking cakewalk. But for some people, it's not, you know, but you got to be bred a certain way. You know, I came in, you know, as a lion, you know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, and like, yeah. Yeah, forget Pitbull. You're Mr. <laughs> Worldwide. You heard yeah. me getting stuff off radio, man. You know, so, yeah, <laughs> man. People know, man. It's big boat, man. They know. They know what's up. <laughs> Yo, man. So last year, you linked up with with your friend Derail for an EP called Six Piece. Yes. Now this EP has a very dark boom bap inspired that's, sound. That's the latest installment. Chicken spot, yeah. And it was almost entirely produced by our friend of the show, Riverside bass producer Acosta the Man. Yo, tell us a little bit about that the backstory to that project, man. Yo, first of all, how did you and Acosta link up? What's what's the story behind that? Um. Decided to invite me since they were in my area. It's fucked up. They invite me. <laughs> you know, but uh, so I, I came through and I was like, yeah, you know, producing, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And we were talking, we played some music, and then I just invited Costa back to the crib. He brought some beats with him, we played some shit. We were just vibed, and I was like, this is crazy. So uh, that was 20, I believe 2019. I'm trying to think. I think that was 2019. Yeah, that was 2019. So that was 2019, and then 2020 happened, and we were supposed to be working on the joint project, but instead we decided to start the chicken piece, the chicken spot series. So we started with two piece, two piece in a biscuit, the value meal, and now the six piece, mm, okay. and the eight pieces in the purse. So, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's made me hungry already. I'm I know, like, right? Yeah, that, that's the whole concept behind it, you know, and it was really like, uh, you know, Rel giving me the spark to like really start rapping again, you know, when these grimy beats and this, you know, this dark substance, like, bro, like, this is, 
this is the shit that you're supposed to be on, bro. You an MC, bro. And I was like, all right, you know. And then like he, uh, cause he executive produced my Navy Jones Locker album, you know, and just just being there for all that shit. It's like, bro, like this is this is your sound. Like you gotta start rapping more. about the recording process for that project because you listen to that project that it very much has a rock marciano you know griselda kind of sound to it you know like was that a was that a sound that you naturally gravitated towards or was that something that was like yeah, suggested man. to you like in the recording nah, process man, you know um shout out to those guys man you know i'm a big fan you know of course um like i said man when i first started rapping this was the type of stuff that like i like to do Mm-hmm. But I got caught up in that whole swaggy rapper era, you know. I admit it, you know what I'm saying. And, and like, when I want to get my point across, this is how I get my point across. And you hear these, you know, these grimy beats, you know what I'm saying. And it's just like, it's me. I get to show my bravado, you know what I'm saying. I, I wanna, I, I look at the mic as my, my mortal enemy, you know. And I, I tell that motherfucker how I feel. <laughs> and um, the recording process for uh. For, for those projects, man, some of it was done at the crib, um, but most of it was done at, at Pirate Silver Lake um, in L.A. That's kind of where we, we go, you know, book 12-hour sessions and just lock out and just go crazy, you know, and like, yeah, man, you know, and some, some of those sessions, you know, like, it was just me, you know, it was just me for like 12 hours, mm-hmm. you know, and we did so many songs where we just kind of picked the best six that cohesively sound good. Because with the Chicken Spot series, it's everything makes sense. It's a, it's a, it's graduates, right? So like the two piece was Rails, the two piece and the biscuit is kind of like my project, right? It's my take on, on our thing that they were doing and our sound, and then the value meal is him. So then the six piece, is more me. That's why you hear most me on the hooks and you know what I'm saying a lot of stuff. Me starting the verses, but if you go back to the last project, it's Rails starting most of the songs, right? He starts the topics, and mm-hmm. I just follow through. You know, I might come up on a hook and things like that. So the A piece is going to be 50-50. That's why we're taking our time. Gotcha. Here we go. <laughs> what was the beat selection process like? Because Acosta is, is dude's very much a workhorse. He will, he will, he will you know, yeah. pound through beats, you know, and he'll just produce and produce for days. Was Were these beats, were these ones that he had already produced and you kind of, like, went through them? Or were these, like, made specifically um, for the stuff project that he produced and then like he came to the sessions and he like you know this is some new shit i just did i'm like okay no no we're not doing that beat play, play the new shit <laughs> you know so some some stuff you know we, we we scrapped and um yeah man it was it was a cool process you know akasa tell you you know like and i just i let the music take me like i don't even really write no more like i just go i just be like that's hard i say how would you start this like what what is what is this beat make you feel why did you title the beat this what color does it make you see and he'll you know describe that to me and they'll be like got it mm. and he just be like oh shit and i just start <laughs> just start rapping you know what i'm saying they be like what the fuck you know and that's just that's just me that's my whole process now um which i really love because i feel like i'm really becoming one with this shit like i'm at a a point at, at my skill level where like i'm really becoming one you know like i might write like the very 
first four bars to start the topic of the song and the direction and the sound of how it's going to go. And that's it. That's literally it. And I don't, I don't use my like, I don't like to use my phone in the booth, you know, because I like to perform. I, when I, when I do it, it's like, okay, if I'm gonna perform this on stage one day, I need to have that same energy. That's right. You know, yeah. so and people can feel on that, that on that on that big in Jay Z tip, you know, straight from the dome, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also last year you dropped another project with Acosta called Angels and Loyal to Demons. Yeah, Angels Loyal to Demons. Tell man. us a little bit about that project and how you ended up working with Acosta again, man. So. After we did the six piece, he was working on a, uh, still currently working on a, um, a EP with D-Rel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so y'all working on some secret shit. So me being petty, I, I, I be a petty person. Me being a petty person, I was like, okay, okay. Because, you know, Rel was showing off his songs and shit. And I was like, this shit is hard. Like, I, I got a feature on that or something? He's like, I'll think about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't need no feature, boy. So I hit up a costume. I was like, yo, y'all working on some shit you ain't tell me? He's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, y'all about to book a session, bro. Come through, play some beats. And that's literally how it started. And we just went off. And um, the first song we did was Black Magic. And um, Black Magic set the tone for the EP. And then after that, it was just like song after song after song. And then, um, I think the last, the last one we recorded was Violence, but... Yeah, Black Magic, and um, yeah, it was Black Magic, and something else was recorded on the same day, and Drugs, mm. the song Drugs, which is two totally left field songs, but this is what yeah. happens when you leave me in the studio by myself for 12 hours, I start <laughs> tweaking. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Black Magic. Tell us about that song, the the concept behind it, and what the significance of it was to um, you. So... It was me kind of paying homage to um, to just the, the universal sound and just showing what we stand for, you know. Um, I had made the song, so I was, it was, I believe it was February when I actually recorded that song, so you know, I was, I was feeling the movement, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> I was in there. And um, yeah, actually the intro was inspired by, you know, that very famous picture of Malcolm X when he's looking through the blondes holding the, the AK, mm -hmm. yep. you know what I'm saying, like that's, that intro line, I just changed a little bit. Trying to tell you what I stand for. You know what I'm saying? And then it's just black power, black powder, black flower. Yeah, I could go on. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? But that that's actually what inspired it is I was just like I was, um, sometimes, like, I play, like, some anime stuff or, like, you know, just, like, uh, different things in the studio, kind of trying to get some type of inspiration, um, so that's, that's, I just, it was, like, a YouTube, it was some, some, it was a, a YouTube beat or something that popped in, but that was the image, and I had, it, the screen was on mute, mm -hmm. so it was just on YouTube, and I seen that, seen that image, and I was like, oh, shit. It's a hard image. Yeah. Just, just like peeking out with the yeah. like, And I was like, oh shit, I didn't even think about that shit. I got something now. That's, that's literally how it happened. So. Black power, black powder, black flower, black sins while pushing the black prowler, black mayor, black paper. Yeah, I could bust the move and still fuck you up like the black ranger. Black poppers, 
my black teams and get to scoping on these black leeches. Black prisms, black prisons, backed by black politicians. We call that black senate, black business, that black winning. So pour some more black gin in my black cup, I'm black pimping. Black leaders, black teachers, black tutors, black producers, that's more black futures. Black homage to black knowledge. that as an artist you give music lovers a great taste of new york hip-hop with new sounds and delivery of today you kind of have a little bit of experience on both sides like you said like early on you kind of have like the swaggy kind of rap and then you have like this dark gritty like um, mm -hmm. kind of kind of sound and i want to ask you, you know how do you keep that authentic dark and gritty new york sound while still staying fresh and innovative today um you gotta tap in man you know uh I listen to everything, you know, like, um, I mostly like when I'm in project mode, I only listen to myself and instrumentals. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to anything else because I don't want to sound like anyone else. I don't want to say things that other people have said, you know, stuff like that. Outside of that, you know, I used to club a lot, you know, I used to hear other music, things like that. You know, I'm aware of what the world around me is, you know what I'm saying? You know, like I listen to, I might listen to like, wake up, listening to some hove, you know what I'm saying? You know, switch to like, you know, some some Eddie Kane or some, you know what I'm saying, some my shit, you know, some real shit, you know what I mean? Um, and then like, I'll play some Lil Uzi, because I'm, I'm feeling a vibe, mm -hmm. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, it's cool, it's all good, you know, my bumps amigos, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you gotta, you gotta feel the vibes, if you a music lover, you gotta love all types of music, you know, I might fucking clean in the crib, listen to some Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, I'm putting some NWA on. <laughs> like, that's just me. You know, right? like, I'm yeah. so I'm so diverse with it, you know? If you look at my record collection, you know, I got everything from the, you know, from Dre all the way down to, you know, Sade, you know what I'm saying? And it's just <laughs> like, oh, Sade, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Smooth operator. You know, <laughs> we, listen to, we listen to everything in my house, you know, and I'm, I'm a music lover first. There we go. You know? yeah. So, you know, I fucking... Me and my wife be going to the Bonobo concerts. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, got to stay eclectic, man. That's the key. And it's certainly reflecting your music, man. That's yeah, for sure. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. You know, I try to mix, like, the boom bap shit with the drill shit because nobody does that. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> nobody does that oh, shit. Really? Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to change gears a little bit and just kind of talk about something that is, I think, just more obvious in our society than it's really ever been, and at least a long time, at least since a lot of us have been alive or whatever. So, obviously, political discourse in this country is is very partisan right now and, and divided, and in, in the most it's been in, like, recent memory. As an artist that regularly makes socially conscious music, what are your thoughts on the kind of just current state of where our kind of political discourse is, how people are talking to each other, how they're interacting with each other, um, and just kind of civility at large, you know? You know, it's 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 crazy um, that you asked that because a good friend of mine, um, TMR, Marine rapper, 
you know, like he's he's on that side. He's on one side, right? Um I'm, I'm I'm in a weird middle ground, right? Because it's like I'm represented by one side, but my personal life reflects another side. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really nowhere for me to like I don't I have to be like that middle ground, you know. So I got friends on both sides, you know, I got people that are saying, you know, things that they saying, I don't wanna say it on here, you know, get nobody in trouble. But then, you know <laughs> but then, you know, like I said, you know, if if you know about the Marine rapper, you know what he represents and that's my boy. To the day I die, you know what I'm saying? We ain't going nowhere. We locked in for life. And I chill with him, you know what he represents. Then I go hang with some motherfuckers and be like, Why be chilling with these type of motherfuckers, bro? You know what I'm saying? You from the block and I be like you know, so war on drugs on both sides, buddy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you gotta, I gotta, it's a weird, you know, being in the military, you know, and then having those street ties. So where it's like, you kind of got to walk on that fence and you stay, you know, and you, you try to keep the peace and keep the balance. You know what I'm saying? It's a very dangerous place to be. Sure. Because I can get caught up in anything. You yeah. Know? So it's like. Hey man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just me. I stay genuine. I'm polite to everybody, unless you do something out of pocket, and then I'm gonna check you. But other than that, yeah, you know, straight. Yeah, no, it's a delicate. I think you mentioned it's a delicate line have to walk because just in the last few years we've had some like really big things. You know, like obviously the never ending waves of police brutality and the violence that kind of like exists uh, with that. But also, you know, the 2020 election, the devastating effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, man. How, I mean, just, you know, you've kind of mentioned you've had to, like, walk this kind of, like, middle I mean, ground. How like, do you do that? It's like, you know, I got friends that got kicked out because they didn't get the COVID shot. And now they're letting everybody back in because COVID is that serious no more. So, like, hey, my bad for you out the military because you didn't get the COVID shot. You can come back if you want. Mm-hmm. The fuck? You, you know what I'm saying? You kill people's families. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I, I know people that went through some fucked up shit because they you know they they lost their job and shit and then you know just with the whole police police brutality shit you know um you know i made the statements in one of my songs in street sharks you know because we talked about that shit and it's just like when i'm not in uniform i'm a target because my hue form serve my country time i'll never take it back lord fighting for that same reason that they kneel for you gotta understand what we really stand for when i'm not in uniform a target because my hue form by the street car, middle finger to the police at the beat now. Big body street car, middle finger to the police says the beat now. Rolling with them street shots, big body street car, middle finger to the police says the beat now. Menace to society, all misunderstood. They cook the judges, but they never grew up in the hood. Rolling with them street shots, big body street car, middle finger to the police says the beat now. Menace to society, you're misunderstood They cooked your judges, but they never do a thing to hurt Uh Never do a thing to hurt Hip That's some true shit, you know When I'm in uniform, you know You know, cops would be like, oh, you know But the moment I take it off, it's like You know, I'm, a, I'm another fucking thug, you know why? Because I got a grill in my mouth, like, you know what I'm saying? Because I got some earrings on, you know what I mean? Like, you know? So that's, I got tattoos, like, you you judge me. You got tattoos, too. You know, and a lot of these police officers are ex-military, but that's the way that they were in the military, too, because you right. see it in the military. They and got the Punisher tattoos and you know all that. You, you see it, you see it in the military, and I went through that shit, too, man. You know, I've been in units where it was just like, this is crazy, you know? Like, these cats, they, they, they hate me and they judge me. 
before I even get to open my mouth or show my work ethic. Right. You know, so. It makes me think of that famous, um, you know, now I think it's infamous case of the uh, of the person who was in uniform coming home and got gassed, like sprayed in the face. And just I think recently there was an article that came out about how he's still been trying to sue the officers for that because he was in uniform, nonviolent. And because the officer perceived him as like resisting arrest uh, or not even arrest, but just like resisting in general. They just gave him a high dose of OC right into his you know, face uh, at yeah. close range. And yeah, it goes Joe, like even in uniform, that doesn't always protect. So like you're saying, you're having to navigate a world with contradictions, right? Like where you're you're serving and people are like, oh, thank you for your service and mm-hmm. whatnot. But then also we're existing in a society where we were just talking about segregation, yeah, violence. Yeah, be the same people. I was doing laundry and um, I went to the laundromat, you know, and the people in the laundromat, they know me, you know. And I had like just been in there to drop my laundry off. I just got off work. I was in my uniform. I dropped my laundry off. Came back to go pick it up, put it in the dryer. I changed it to some sweats. It's laundry day. I changed it to some sweats, a t-shirt. Of course. Mm-hmm. And this lady was like, you know, they're always letting homeless people in here. You know, because I got a little beard and shit. And I was just like, what, what? the fuck? <laughs> yep. Mind you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you smiled at me like 20 minutes ago. I'm the same motherfucker. It's, it's that type of shit yep. that Groundhog gives. You know what I'm saying? And now, if I, if I come out of character... You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be the one that's in trouble. Yeah, it's almost a death sentence sometimes. You know, you act out yeah. in any kind of way. You know, so it's it's one of those things where, you know, you have to learn how to, I don't say turn the other cheek, but put people in their place. You know, I gave a couple words of wisdom, but, you know, in a very professional manner, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like you said, a, a difficult line to have to navigate because, yeah, like, the consequences can be grave, right? And for, oh, like... yeah, man, it's crazy. And so, I mean, it's interesting, you know, having to walk that line. I mean... And that kind of draws us to kind of the the, the the meeting point of, like, what we talk about, right? Like, the hip-hop, and but also the political activism that kind of is old, usually not too far behind it, right? Like, obviously, hip-hop's undeniable ties to political activism and, and its expression seems to carry a uniquely extra punch in your music. You know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit mm-hmm. uh, with Black Magic and other kind of tracks that you've put out. Um, particularly due to the many social issues present in both the music's, you know, ethos and also present in many just like, you know, our communities, not white communities, let's just call them, right, uh, throughout the country. In what ways do you hope to help the community through your music? Like, what, what kind of stories and narratives are you telling that you're hoping people are going to pick up just through what you're putting out there? Um, so, you know, some of the stuff is like, you know, I might talk, like, one of my songs, Good Day to Die, right, is about the whole sum up of the story is about, you know, black on black violence. And, you know, you listen to the song, like, this is some gangster shit. Me talking about catching the ops and all this other crazy shit. Now, then the song, I say, you know, um, that how I look down for the kill shot. But I'm looking into the eyes of my kin. You know, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? It's just, you know, it comes from a, a, a time and a place in my life where, you know, a situation like that happened, you know, when it's, you know. And, um, was locked up at a young age, you know, and they, they was in the zoo, you know what I'm saying? And they come out. And they still got that same energy. And it's like, you know, they fathers wasn't there for them. And they're not going to follow these kids either. You know what I'm saying? It's like you you can't be no 40-year-old motherfucker still on the block. You know what I'm saying? Talking shit, drinking the henny. If you, and you ain't trying to put these young cats in their place. You know what I'm saying? To steer them in the right direction. Because that's a real OG. You know what I'm saying? And you're not, not just because you old and you used to be gangsta, you know what I'm saying? Like, that shit don't make you a fucking OG. It's what you contribute to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
when I get some more bands, I'm gonna pull some more bands in the community. You know, for the you know, and that's 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 what it's really for. You know, we're showing these people that there's a way out. You know, they say you either rap, sell crack, or play ball. You know, mm-hmm. so you gotta choose one of those options. You know what I'm saying? I didn't play ball. You know what I'm saying? So the other stuff happened in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I I chose I chose a route that's that's for me, and everybody has their time. You know, so I think that that's the that's the biggest thing. So what I say is. You know, with these within these communities, you know, having that like music brings everybody together, and that's the biggest thing is music brings everybody together. But it's like killing over the music is not what it's supposed to be. Rap beef is rap beef, street beef is street beef. You know, you got these casters, rappers now that have never been in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You know, so it's like, you know, (sighs) yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, man, you know, with that being said, you know, hip-hop is one of the most powerful and significant musical genres, as well as the social movements of the past 50 years, and the genre is at a very interesting space right now, you know, I feel yeah. like you have two different directions, you know, if you would have asked this question eight years ago, hip-hop, on a social level of using it for, like, social activism, you know, that was really regulated to, like, the underground. Now you got cats like J. Cole, you know, Kendrick Lamar. Killer Mike, a bunch of people on the more yeah. mainstream, you know, really putting this message out there. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, tell us your thoughts about the genre's power to build unity and enlighten the masses and masses and really, you know, fuel mechanisms of change in our society, especially in our times right now. So it's difficult to answer because I can only speak from my perspective yeah. of the music, you know, because it's people that are probably like, I don't give a fuck what he's saying. It's gang gang <laughs> all day. You know what I'm saying? I'm on a corner. I'm doing my motherfucking thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to go to the studio and talk about it. And now you're incriminating yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you could talk about the things that you used to do. Or, you know, like even some of these cats to tell you, you know, like this ain't my life. I just be talking about the shit that I witnessed. You know what I'm saying? Which is also another perspective mm-hmm. of of hip hop, and um, I think the stories that we tell, uh, you know, like with everything that's happening now, you know, with YSL and they trying to use their lyrics against them and all this other crazy shit, you know, when it's like, man, some people really believe hip hop is real. People that don't come from these communities that we come from, that don't, you know, go through the things we go through. I want to call it suffering. I would call it a. Uh, making of a man or a woman, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I would call it, you know, it just, it makes or breaks you, you know, and within the communities that we come from, hip-hop is an outlet for us because we need to say something, we need to tell somebody, and, you know, we come from a lot of these households where we're not allowed to express ourselves, you know, so it's just like, music is a way for us to express ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, so, with them being on that level and saying the things that they're saying and, and, and changing the whole wave of hip-hop, you know, and it's it's not really like it's, it's it changed. All they did was remind people of where hip-hop came from. Right. I think yeah. that's all it really is because that part of hip-hop was always there. That used to be mainstream. That was hip-hop. Yeah. So these that's people right. that don't give a fuck about us took over hip-hop trying to tell us what the fuck is hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that's where it changed, you know, and then yeah. hip-hop became a moneymaker. That's right. Another, you know... I ain't no fucking slave. <laughs> you mentioned it, the money, right? It's like it becomes a commodity, right? But it was just people 
you know, like you said, telling stories and like in, in a cultural yes. work, right? It was it wasn't like valuable to them. But now that it's like a multi billion dollar industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, people come out the woodwork. The message, the message of like unity, the message of like challenging these like dominant narratives and telling like an alternative yeah. perspective yeah. is now like you know having to have have people bring it to the forefront again. It's kind of moved back, but now I'm making a resurgence. That's what I'm saying. It's it's people that are mainstream rapping that got no business rapping. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's just. You know who you are. Yeah, you don't need to name names. I think everybody everybody knows. Yeah, and that I mean, I guess that that kind of bridges itself nicely to my next question, which is, what do you enjoy most about like being a hip hop artist? Right, like you were talking about like just writing rhymes as a kid. Now you know, you're doing it. You're a hip hop artist. What do you like the most about it? Performing. There we go. Go into that. What is? What does it feel like? Because I mean, I, I myself give a, a, spe- a speech or two every once in a while, yeah. and I can say that there's definitely a feeling that you can get from like seeing people react and respond to like what you're what you're putting out into the world, right? Yeah. So, what do you like about it? It's uh, I just love it. I love I love performing. You know, um, I got a chance to go to a performing arts high school when I was a teenager. Okay. So, and I was a drama major, so like that kind of took away my stage fright any you know because a lot of these cats you know they dope in a studio and then how i say it like this you put me in a crowd of two people i'm gonna perform like there was two thousand people mm-hmm. that's right because yeah. those two people can be forever fans and they always gonna remember that shit you know he gave that shit his all and i'm sweating and i'm, I'm losing my voice somebody's gonna videotape that shit that's somebody's right. gonna make fun of it it's gonna go motherfucking viral oh well but guess what now they're gonna put me in a in front of a bigger crowd and my performance might be even better, even yeah. more epic, because now I got that energy behind me, you know. And that's just something that I've always, um, always enjoyed. Was okay. I, I'm, I'm putting out this record, you know. Yeah, you you push it to playlists and all this other stuff, and you get the streams and people buy your merch, and it's cool. But I want to engage with the people that actually listen to my music and the people that haven't had a chance. Now they get to discover me, face to face. Versus like having to hear my song, you know what I'm saying? And right. Like, oh, this is cool, but like, is this guy really any good? Right. Oh mm. shit, you know, like okay. So yeah. that's that's it. That's usually how it happens for me, man. I always gain the most fans after performances. You kind of mentioned it too that like you don't like to record with the phone. That you like to be able to like yeah. you know kind of just. There's a thing about body language, right? Like, I think everybody can vibe with, like, when you see somebody, like, reading a speech off a piece of paper, right? The impact that's felt is a lot less than when someone's, like, making eye contact yeah. and, like, delivering, like, a powerful speech. Like, I, we call it, like, mistika in organizing spaces. That, that, that feeling of fire that you get in your belly when it's like, oh, fuck, I vibe with what that person's saying. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're kind of, like, touching on that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I like, perform in a booth, man, because I'm ready. Right. I'm ready to perform every single song that I lay down. I'm ready. Right. Like, if we got to go perform this shit right now, after we recorded it, we ready to go. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's, that's, that's how, that's how, that's my take on it. Yeah. You know, that's. That's separate to good from, I think, what a great artist is, right? Is like, can you, can you, can you perform as if, like, you, you care about your craft, right? And, like, mm-hmm. people, like you said, they pick up on it, even if it's a, a two people or if it's 200, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Or 2, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But so you talked about what you like about being hip hop artists. And, you know, like, let's talk about, like, the flip side of that. Like, what, if you had to say, like, what's the just, like, thing you dislike the most about having to deal with, like, either Man. the scene or just being an artist in general? Uh, a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of politics involved in this hip-hop community. Um, 
especially when you have certain sounds and like, you know, I've been in places where uh I wasn't invited back cuz I didn't kiss I didn't kiss enough ass. Yeah, but that's just that's not me. Like I'm sure. not going to be fake. You know, like I just mm-hmm. I can't I don't do that. You know, I don't I don't give off those vibes. I don't condone those vibes like you doing too much. Like what are you doing? That's not me. So if I go somewhere and I vibe with people, I vibe with people. If I don't, then this is not my crowd. And I have to take an alternative route. Sure. I'm not going to fake the funk. I don't care that they are popular artists or that they mainstream or whatever. Like, if if me and this person don't vibe, then we don't vibe. Then it's not meant to be. The universe is trying to tell me no. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I happen to see them at another time and then we vibe that time, then that's the time we vibe. But that little, that just wasn't meant to be. So, like, you know... Uh, finding these different routes, right? And then it's just like, mm. that's another part that plays you plays into it, right? Because if you got all these connections, you know what I'm saying? You got to figure out how to utilize them with spending the least amount of money. Right. But if you got a shitload of money, you can buy connections. Yeah. And that's a big thing too, you know? So like, you know, I know both sides of that, right? Because I've been dead broke and fucking gems have landed on my plate. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I am up. You know what I'm saying? I might not have no fucking money in my pocket, but I just got called for this motherfucking performance and they about to pay me. Right. You know, shit like that. So it's... Most definitely, man. But that also said, you know, because like you said, you've been at... You've had high highs and low lows. What's mm-hmm. been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome as a musician? Um, Man, the alcohol and the drugs, man. Really. You know, you see, I'm drinking a liquid death and a, a, a zero <laughs> percent alcohol Heineken right now, man. You know, um, yeah, like, you know, having to, like, you know, put yourself in, in the hype and in the zone and, like, yo, I need to drink, I need to smoke, and I get in the zone and play the beats, and you be in the studio for mad long, and you got, like, one song done, you know, and you spent all this money or whatever, or you wasted somebody else's time, you know, that engineer been sitting there for six hours, and all you got was four fucking bars because you're so goddamn high. You mm. know, like, it takes it takes away the artistic creativity from it for me. I've been sober for uh, for over a year. Congratulations, man. Yeah, yeah man. Congrats. You know, and, and it shows. When I started, so when we started doing the six-piece, that was, that was me. That was sober me. Six-piece. You know, like, that was, that, that was like my transition. And then the whole Angels, Lawyer to Demons, sober. You know, so it's like my thoughts are a different process now. You know, it it's like now I can be one with the music instead of like, you know, letting, you know, the other stuff take me there. You know what I'm saying? I got to really feel it now, you know, sure. so and I'm allowing myself to feel it now. And it's, it's it seems to me, it seems more genuine, you know, like it's just, you know, like you're trying to write rhymes, you know, when you fucked up, you know, you're trying to read off your phone. What the fuck? You know, like, versus now, it's like, I'm fucking sober. This has been on my mind all day. Let me get this shit off my chest, you know, so. Here we go. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of talked about, like, a big influence that you just kind of touched on right there. But if you were going to give advice, you know, to young artists, musicians, or any sort of performers who want to get into the music industry, the entertainment business, especially, you know, those who have a positive, uplifting message, what would you give them as that advice, like, just coming in as a youngster? Um... Find your tribe. That's the biggest thing, right, is, you know, uh, um, Rel always told me that, you know, you're going to have, you know, 20 motherfuckers on your ship. 
but they ain't gonna make the journey, bro. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we first started this shit, you know, when we was with the squad, we was like twenty something deep, and like now it was just me and Rel. You know what I'm saying? And he was the last motherfucker to join. Right. <laughs> That's sometimes how it is, right? Like, and you know, and it's just crazy, you know, because we hooked up in 2012, you know, and I was with the same clique for years, you know, and like now it's just me and Rel, and we building a tribe out here, you know, and keeping the connections back home. But if you got a talent, just make sure nobody's not trying to take advantage of you. Keep an open mind because it could be the people closest to you that really want to hurt you. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. That shit is sad. Poignant advice, I think, for everybody. If you have a talent, sometimes the people around aren't always acting in the best faith. Because they be jealous, man. They be envious. Mm. They don't have that talent. And I've, I've witnessed that shit, you know, like, you know, coming up and, like, you know, being, like, the, the hottest and being the topic. And then, like, you know, homies that was, like, so used to being the topic. It's like, now they fucking talking about me. And it's like, niggas is like, oh, I What's wrong with you? Like, why are you acting like that? I'm representing what you represent. We representing the same thing. Right. We're coming up together. People want to clip each other's wings, but it's like, why? Yeah. Like, and it goes to show, right? Like, people, like we were talking about, like you were talking about a little earlier, like the horizontal violence, right? That's like present in, in our communities. It's just like, you know, sometimes you know, like the eyes is like, well, who's our enemy, right? It's like, is it is it my is it the person living in the you know complex like next to mine, or is it is it actually somebody else like that? We're like. You know, that we don't, most people, you know, are just kind of like living in ignorance of, right? Because we're just trying to survive. So, yeah, it's interesting stuff, like talking about uh, a lot of these things that we're talking about tonight, you know, especially a lot of the messages for the young people about like find your tribe because it's, a lot of this is true. like hustle it's and being individual, man. right? You know, and like for me, I, I do this shit solo. I'm a one man tribe. I'm a wolf out here. You know, I got to do what I do. But when I'm around other wolves, oh my God. <laughs> Move out the way. The pack is coming. Right. And that's, and that's yeah. what it is. You know, Rella's a wolf. Akasa's a wolf. Like, for us to all be together in the same room on some alpha shit is so humbling. You know? And it's just like, we work so well together because we understand. And nobody's trying to outdo anybody. Right. Everybody yeah. knows their place. It's not really everybody knows their place, but, like, everybody knows kind of, like, what what their what their end goal is, right? And we support each other's end goal. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you want to do in life, and I support you right. on, on your journey. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's, that, that's what you feel is like your, your purpose yeah. in, in the world. You and know? you're stronger together, right? Like, as in, yeah. you, you're strong as an individual, right? But, like, you get some strong individuals, like, together. That's like, you know, well, it's like arrows, right? You get one. It might be strong, but you can break that shit. You get, like, five or ten of them together. You can't break that and shit it, whatsoever. And, it, and it's true shit, man. Like, you know, one of um one of my people's, um, my boy, um, Felix DeLuca, man, from Copenhagen, you know, like, that's something that, like, he always showed me. And, like, we've been friends since, like, 2014, like, real-life friends. You know what I'm saying? There we go. And, like, supporting each other's music, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's up here with his shit. But, like, when he come out to, like, he kick it with me. You know what I'm saying? He'd be at the crib. We chill. You know what I'm saying? We don't got no music together. But we still stay in contact. We talk all the time. We support each other. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's, it's shit like that to, like, know, like, genuine people that are in the game. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, like, he, he support my shit. You know what I'm saying? If I put something out, he gonna repost that shit. You know, and vice versa. Right. You know, and like now we, you know, starting to work together, but it's like we never needed to to form that type of bond, you know, and that's what I like. That's what I like about it. Like, you know, just having those genuine people. When I go out there, you know, I stay with those motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Him and S, you know, and Nikki and like, you know, those those are my guys, man, you know, and they always show me love. 
Right, that's, that's what they say. Like actions talk, like bullshit walks. You exactly. know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's true, man. It's true because, like, you know, as I've I've been I've been through the mud, and when I had my back against the wall and I had nothing left in me, zero in the tank, the people that I least expected to come to my rescue came, and I didn't mm. ask for help. Right. It was just like, yo, you good, bro? Like, you know, I, I ain't talked to you in a minute, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't see you posting. Like, what's up with you? Reach Them reaching out is, you know what right. I'm saying? You know, like, you know, big bro Dex, man, you know, and um, and Lick, man. They they always looking out for me, man, you know? So shout out to those guys too, man. Most definitely, man. So it goes without saying, man, you are a very busy man. You are always working <laughs> on something. Tell always, us, man. Tell us what you can about any upcoming projects and endeavors you got lined up for, tw- for the future in 2023. Uh... Shit, man, just locking in a couple features, man. You know, um, uh, that's pretty much it. You know, we working on Angel Lord to Demons, so I play, I play y'all some snippets later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll I got, some, go. I got some shit coming with Chop the Father out of Texas. You know, so that's shout out to Chop the Father who's yeah. going to be on this program yeah. very soon. Yeah, we are yeah, going to get you guy. on here, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I linked up with him in Vega in Texas, man. Um, so. Um, I'll be going back out there. That's gonna be my little second home. So, oh, there we go. You know, and that linked up because of Acosta. There we go. You know, so that's <laughs> you know, so yeah, man. That's that's the peoples, man. Um, so yeah, I got some stuff with them. Um, uh, working with my boy Rafkiat and uh, and Natural Nine One Zero. So we working on some stuff together. You know, and um, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm gonna surprise y'all, man. I'm gonna yeah. surprise y'all. Y'all might get a, another album. There we go. Uh, you know, at the end awesome. of the year, but. Definitely, Angel's Lawyer to Demons 2 is definitely coming out October 13th. It's a significant date. Um, I'm going to let y'all Google why October 13th is significant. Awesome. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it goes in my name. It makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, since we're kind of getting to the end of the interview, if you have one, if you can have your fans just remember one thing about you, what would it be if you had like a snippet for them just to take away from this interview? Ooh, it's a stick up, stick up. Remember that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. You know, Brooklyn is this motherfucker, man. You know, I always say that. I say, ooh, it's a stick up because I put myself in any room and anything, any objective that you give me. Somebody says I can't do something, run that shit. That's mine now. There we go. That's where that whole concept comes from, you know, so, yeah. There we go. I think think some (laughs) some good words that everybody can stand to hear once in a while. Just like, you want something, just go get it. Go take that shit. Yeah. Go get what's yours. Yeah. Yeah. You don't got to tell me we're in a a revolutionary office right now. It's like, I will will go take that shit. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Be you, do you. If they don't fuck with you, find the people that do fuck with you. You There we go. Yeah. uh, It's billions of people in the world. If you're doing this music shit, and if people in your hometown don't fuck with your music, it's okay. Somebody will somewhere. I got my first start in Europe, you know, and I was mm-hmm. I was rapping in Brooklyn and people was, ah, and then I started doing shows out in Europe and everybody was like, yo, how you get out there? Oh, they love you out there, huh? Yo, let me let me re-listen to this shit. Yo, this shit is kind of hot. <laughs> that's you right. You know what? And then my, I had got that placement in Power, um, one of my songs, that's all right, at, um, was on Power, um, Book Two Ghosts, the last season. That song was made in 20, well, like, 16, you know? And people ain't paid no attention to it. And all of a sudden, like, yo, this song is hot. And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, mm. I'm not doing this right now. But it's a hot song, <laughs> yes, granted. But it's just, like, the people around me that paid no attention to the music, all of a sudden, I'm like, yo, bro. <laughs> I was like, nah, we're not doing that. It's, 
That's right. Sometimes it goes to show, like, the work that you put in. It's like planting a fruit tree, right? Like, you plant a fruit tree when it's a small tree. It's not going to give you nothing. I mean, I just believe in my craft, man. And that's the biggest thing is nobody's going to believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Mm. That's true. I believe in myself a thousand percent. You can't tell me that my music is trash. I don't care. You might be like, you know what? This needs some work. You could maybe cut this or maybe if you switch your flow here, I'll take it in consideration. And I really will take it into consideration. I just might try it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do music, you know what I'm saying, and you ain't got no musical background, and like you don't know nothing about nothing, I'm probably not going to listen to you. Sure, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not going to take medical advice from the dude that, like working... <laughs> Working you know with me at like, my retail job, I'm gonna be like, yo, bro, like, I, I'll take your advice on like whether or not I want a pizza recommendation or whatever, but like, yeah, maybe not medical shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, man, with that said, where can people find you and follow you online to see all your work, all the latest updates for new music shows, promotions, and other events? Um, website is up now, man. NavyJonesLocker.com. That's N V Y J O N E Z L K R.com. Stay up on the latest, man. And I'm Navy Jones Locker on everything. If you say you can't find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, N-V-Y-J-O-N-E-Z-L-K-R. I spell it the same everywhere. There we go. Keep it consistent. Yeah. Any last just closing words or any comments or words of wisdom you want to just like close it out with? It? Nah, man. Tune into the podcast, man. You know, stay up on date, man. You know, these guys are awesome. Oh, <laughs> we appreciate you. Well, with that said... Navy Jones, thank you again for coming thank through to the show, man. Me, man. It it's been blast. an absolute pleasure. And with that said, Internet, Navy Jones Locker, check out his project called Angels and Loyal to Demons with our man, Acosta the Man. Go out. It's available on all streaming platforms. Everything. We just dropped that Street Politics 3 video, too. That's right. <laughs> Go out and get accosted. That's right. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> tell a friend to tell a friend. And if you already told them, then tell them again. Mm-hmm. And with that said, we out. Peace. Well, that's our show. Once again, shout out the Navy Jones Locker for coming through the Step Off Radio. We're going to conclude today's show with a cut off of his EP, Angels of Loyal to Demons. It's called Street Politics 3. It's produced by Acosta the Man, featuring D-Rail and Roddy Cali's Remedy. Go out and support the EP. And with that said, we out. See you coming, yeah, he started standing firm, but he ended running I never hit a club unless I get my gun And tell my bitch, give me five minutes, beat the car running I'm from a big city, but a small section Level three, bulletproof, that's what save you from a lesson Understand I always set the table, never second guessing If you sitting at the other end, this your blessing Level up on the math Quick sabbatical, that's self-gratitude, that ain't mad at you. Niggas was family, but now they dead to me. Uncle Festa, just let him fest up. We never fret, keep the lecture, the texture of my compressor made her fuck me better. The Ruchi leather and Yankee brim, you know the weather. Straight ah! out of Long Beach, flossing in some floor seats, shining like some goatee. Sometimes you gotta hold. Double tap on the mag If the shot lag Rack it back and let this Beretta fly like a quarterback Used to stick up to my auntie Said I'm on it at I've been stepping since my baby carriage Hit my pop on mag Living proof, you really live it You'll be bulletproof Taking shots at you But hood niggas never hit obstacles Miss me with that rah-rah Don't blame it on a za-za Better 
a bitch me, ta-da. Moving like a mobster, then the play the pasta. Had him whack before he could even sample the lobster. This the lifestyle that we idolized. Swore a blood oath with your homies to a vital lie. In the land of the blind, you need an open eye. Never let your third arm lead you to get circumcised. This is Harlem in the flesh. You need living proof. I am what it looks like when Q finally gets the juice. Straight out of Long Beach, frosting in some floor seats, shining like some goatee. Sometimes you gotta hold. Cali nigga rapping the West. You not correct. Protect your neck and chest. It best for your head and flesh. This episode of Step Off Radio is recorded at the Justice Center, San Diego, and our music was done by DJ Root. This has been a Step Off Magazine production.